We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, Pat Mayo here. We got two separate guests for you today. First up, Cody Saftik and Paul Shaughnessy are on. We're breaking down Cage Warriors 113. I mistakenly say at the very beginning of the show that it will be happening on Saturday. It is not happening on Saturday. Fake news. It's happening on Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Paul was still correct that you can watch it on the UFC Fight Pass. Uh, We're going to go over his favorite bets from that card. You can also play on the... DraftKings Sportsbook in terms of a pools contest. Doesn't matter what state you're in, it's a free contest. You can win up to 2000 bucks. Uh, highly recommend you go check that out. And then later on, if you hit the time codes, Gary and Thorne will be joining me very briefly to talk about one of these new popularity pools on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, you can just fast forward ahead to that if you care about the NBA. Uh, it's a unique contest in a way where you don't actually, there's stuff like who is the best dunker of all time, and it gives you four options. But the way to actually win the pool is not to guess and just say who you think it's going to be. You have to pick who you think the most popular answer is going to be. We break it down a bit more, but I actually screwed up the date on that one, too. I said it was going to be for Wednesday night. It's actually not. It's for Thursday night, and that pool will close at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Once again, it's free to play. That prize pool, uh, unlike the one on DraftKings Sportsbook, that is $2,000 for Cage Warriors, $25,000 for the NBA one. So it's free to enter. You might as well go figure it out and get in uh there's ways to differentiate yourself just use popularity but anyway pat mayo experience trucks on there's always giveaways i will tell you what they are at the very beginning of the show with cody before or after i get the date wrong i can't even remember at this point but hey enjoy the show and keep on listening let's go Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. Today, we are talking about Cage Warriors 113. This is going off 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. Uh, Paul Shaughnessy, who is behind the camera and will be joining us in this discussion, has told me that you can watch it on Fight Pass. Is this correct, Paul? 
Uh, yes, UFC Fight Pass, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, uh, yeah, Dana was pumping it because he has nothing left to pump. Now, right. he's, uh, now he's pumping up the, the Cage Warriors on Saturday. Well, I mean, all I'll say is this is something that we can bet on. Also, uh, if you play in a state that does not have legalized gambling so far, DraftKings Sportsbook has a pool available for this Cage Warriors card. So it doesn't matter what state you're in. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, the app, um, and just get verified. You can play in a pool. There are cash giveaways for it, despite the fact that they're free contests in states where you, in West Virginia, I believe it is. You could probably bet on this card and maybe some of the other ones too. I don't have all the info on that, but I do know that the pool is available for everyone on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We're going to be going through each of the fights uh, and the cards, but I do want to let everyone know if you want to get some DraftKings bucks, easy way to do so. Smash the like button for the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me, since sports is shut down and the quarantine has begun, what is the most ridiculous thing that you have bet on so far? I'm actually really curious to read the responses to this, because my answer is going to be Cage Warriors, because I'm going to bet on this. Uh, Yes, Paul. (laughs) Last night I saw Saul Goodman DFS say you guys are sick for like somebody giving out some uh, some uh, LOL DFS advice and I was like ooh I should, make a, I should make a lineup I forex that shit so thanks thanks to Saul for telling people not to do it because I did the exact opposite and so Paul, Paul's in on League of Legends right all now? you do is four three stacks that's that's all you do <laughs> find the teams that are gonna win four three stacks and then just collect the money that's- I. At least through one event, that's what it looks like to me. I I have been trying to figure out uh, if I really want to dig into esports. It might come down to that. And maybe I'll tackle it more from betting than the actual daily fantasy side. But hey, if there's profit to be had, we might as well go full steam ahead with that. With Cage Warriors, we actually have uh, some inside, not necessarily inside info, but we actually do know someone who knows about this stuff. But before we get to him... Uh, also, if you want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something you like about the show, and boom, you're in that draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. So Paul is behind the glass today, on the line, co-host of the Dogger Pass podcast from the Fight Network, friend of the show, after he gave us some bonanza UFC picks last week, then UFC went away. He does know himself some cage warriors at cj saftic on twitter it's cody saftic cody you this this was the card you were born to talk about yeah yeah well lucky for you guys i spent three years cutting my teeth on cage warriors specifically fighting hours used to carry the product back between like 2013 to 2016 and uh, yeah i worked them exclusively you can even actually go and find cage warriors play-by-play online provided by yours truly where i was literally breaking down the fights as they happened the play-by-play side of it so i'm very very familiar with the product obviously a lot of ufc veterans coming over from cage warriors the most notable one the two champ conor mcgregor but also guys like cathal pendrid danny hot chocolate roberts ashling daly uh my boy paul mcveigh never made the ufc but he was a fucking scottish legend uh obviously joanne calderwood so like yeah the product is a very good product as you mentioned you said cage warriors 113 it's not exactly a scrub promotion they have a ufc fight pass deal they have some decent fighters on the roster there's a few fighters on this card that could be fighting in the ufc currently i mean there's a few fighters on the card that do fight in the ufc currently so it's not exactly a completely bottomed out event uh there is some decent spots but you have to tread carefully this is not something where you have an abundance of tape yes you do have lots of tape but you don't have an abundance of tape against elite level opposition. So there's going to be a lot of variables in these fights, but uh, looking forward to breaking them down. And I just want to say, Pat, 
how the mighty have fallen a few weeks ago. Nobody cares about high-end UFC picks. And now people are tuning in for Cage Warrior picks. Yeah, well, hey, the, the picks are what matters at this point in time. I guess the one thing I would caution against is we've talked about a few things now. and We've had to scrap shows because of it because you know, we talk about it and then like, 20 minutes after we finish filming, shit gets canceled. So that's still on the table for this. Fighters could drop out. Uh, I would say that if you don't, and this was from Paul, this is a very savvy move. This doesn't go till, I'm correct in saying it's 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, right, Paul? Correct. Okay, so I probably, you might miss out on some good lines uh, as we speak right now a few days out if you do wait until Saturday and maybe you're good with doing that but if you put your money into a book I mean a lot of the books are super trustworthy and they will just give you your money back um, but if this card doesn't necessarily get cancelled it gets postponed to a future date you might have some problems Paul? Yeah certain books have like limits on or they'll be like oh there has to be like a month passes by before we get formal clearance to like void those bets like i've i've been yelling at a certain sports book for years about this type of thing so be careful about how much you put in until you know that these fights are actually happening cuz obviously we lost like three fights off of the main card just this morning really yeah so cody uh you had mentioned to me previously off air that there's like Three fights you really like. We're going to break down all the fights because, listen, having you talk about fights, I mean, not only is it a content killer, it is, uh, it's quite fascinating. So, and the fact that you actually know who these people are just blows my mind. Never heard of any of them. But there's like three or four fights that you actually do really like on this card. Yeah, yeah. I like a couple of these fights for sure. And I think you pretty much nailed it when you said that the lines are going to be subject to change and that I think if you waited until the Saturday, some of these will get blown up. So, whereas, yeah, we're going to bet some three to one favorites here, four to one favorites because they're the safe plays. I do feel comfortable in, in parlaying them together. And I do honestly believe that they're just capped a little bit low. I feel like Patty Pimblett and Mason Jones in particular, they're probably going to go off higher than 325 and 400 respectively. If you parlay them together, you're getting near-ish even money. And then beyond that, there's a couple other guys on the card that we can add. As far as dogs go, and we will break down the card, it's light on dogs. However, a lot of the fights, because they're going to be, you know, you got a flight favorite and it's a bit of a 50-50 fight, you could just play the system of betting some random dog. I'm not one of those guys. I want to bet the guys that I feel comfortable with my money. I feel comfortable with my plays that I've, you know, properly capped, that I've properly done this tape study on, and I feel that they're going to get the victory. So that's what I'm doing personally. But we'll break down these uh, all the fights and, and we'll give you an honest assessment, and, and, and it's your choice to do what you want. All right, so let's start with this fight I have pegged here. Darren Stewart. Minus 230 versus Bartosz Fabinski, or as I will say from now on, from Punch-Out, Soda Popinski. Where are we going? Yeah, okay. So th this is honestly the biggest fight on the card, considering they're two UFC veterans. They're two notable guys in the sense that Darren Stewart's on a two-fight winning streak. He's fought multiple times in the UFC. He's got a little bit of momentum on his side. They were both originally uh, supposed to take on different opponents, of course. But still, at least, like, it's not technically the headliner, to my knowledge, currently right now, but it is the biggest fight. This one is just, I got a personal bias in it. Darren Stewart should be the obvious play. He's 220, he's capped properly, and, uh, and I do believe he's got the goods to win this fight. He has struggled in the past with his takedowns, right? And that's always in the way to kind of get this guy. He's a good kickboxer, you know, the dentist Stewart. You want to grind up this guy, you want to clinch up with him, you want to take him down. He's got okay cardio, but not great cardio. But once you just zap his energy out and just make this a clinch battle, 
that's what tires him out. However, the guy's made a lot of improvements. It starts with this fight against Eric Spicy five fights ago, where he's the underdog coming in. Paul and I were actually on him. He was 0-3 in the UFC because of his, his grappling deficiencies. Paul actually nailed like a 7-1 prop bet on this Julian Marquez to submit him. And, uh, and it was like, he wasn't allowed to stop the UFC. Yeah, there you go. 11-1. It wasn't like he was the joke of the UFC, but like this guy's on a terrible run and he's certainly on his way out. He's dogman against Spicely. We pick him in Spicely because he was at home and we figured Spicely would probably run out of the gas first and he did. But then after that, Charles Bird. Charles Bird's a grappler. Charles Bird tried to grapple him, but he prevailed. He knocks him out. Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian now looks like a world beater, future world contender, but he looked very, very mediocre in scoring a split decision over Darren Stewart. And then Darren Stewart faces his two toughest fights. But Vaughn Lewis is a straight grappler. He's basically just going to hold you up against a cage, try to take you down. It's exactly what Stewart used to struggle against. But he ends up beating Vaughn Lewis. Then he gets Deron Wynn. Deron Wynn is going to do the exact same thing to him. But he beats Deron Wynn. Now he's actually training for Marvin Vittori. And honestly, Marvin Vittori fights a lot differently than those guys. But the game plan was probably going to be similar. Strike in, in, in spots, but try to take this guy down. So I have no doubt that Darren Stewart's been working on his takedown defense for this camp as he's been working for all of those fights. And that's going to play extremely well against Bartos Vivinci, who is so unbelievably one-dimensional with his wrestling game. But all Stewart has to do is stuff a couple takedowns. Bartos cannot strike to save his life. His last fight against uh, Michelle Pereira, he actually, or uh, Michelle Pereira, sorry, he actually did get chin checked, got hurt, fell to the ground on his way back up. He gets mounted on his way, powering back up recklessly. He gets snared in a, in, in a choke and ends up being submitted. However, this is where my bias comes in. As obvious as it sounds, it's like, oh man, Darren Stewart, there's your guy. He's he shored up his deficiencies. He's going to beat this guy standing up. He's got to fight in his own backyard in, in the sense that, you know, he's British. It's in the UK versus the Polish fighter in Fabinski. It's that Bartos Fabinski is my boy. For as limited as this guy is, Pat, he has been a money maker for me. Outside of a guess, yeah, yeah, he did lose his last fight. But he is just, he sticks to the game plan. He goes in there. He does not look to do anything but hold you against the cage, peel you to the ground, and outpower you. He is extremely, extremely strong. And it, because he has that one-dimensional game plan, that's what makes him a live underdog in the spot, is that there's not going to be a live crowd there. So if this guy's clinging on to Darren Stewart for three and a half minutes, four minutes of the round, and Darren Stewart's doing these rallies where he stuffs a few takedowns and he lands a few punches, that raucous crowd's not going to be there to get behind him. And without that, maybe it's not going to persuade the judges. Maybe they're going to look at, geez, one guy's been controlling the majority of these rounds. It's pretty quiet in here. We're going to go with actual work. And all Bartos does is work. Yes, he did lose his last fight when he got caught in that guillotine choke. However, it's important to note that he gets rocked by the left hand. Like, he floors over. The overhand right floors him. However, he gets his wits right away. And you see he's just overpowered. He's just trying to power to get back up. But one has to wonder, if he didn't get caught in that submission, would he have just popped back up and been classic Bartos? Now, classic Bartos has fought the worst guys in the UFC. He'd be Gareth McClellan, who's an EFC Africa veteran, South Africa fighter, just, just not good. You know, former rugby player. Hector Urbina, Paul can tell you all about worst funky place. Urbina. Probably, yeah, absolutely, bottom end, worst guy in the UFC. And then Emil Weber-Meek is not terrible, however, he can't wrestle. So, yeah, Bartos absolutely ragdolls the guy, but that's to be expected. Darren Stewart's shown us that he can wrestle a little bit more. So, again, this is a card that a lot of the favorites do look like good favorites. However, I'm going to pencil in Bartos for Vinsky. I'm not going to go big on it. going to be a small little action play. But if I, do, if I was to throw him on some type of pun parlay with a couple of big favorites, and he's going to juice that up increasingly. And if I do put a little bit of money on just a straight Bartos bet, then then I think that's not the worst thing. It's not that Darren Stewart shouldn't be the favorite. I do agree with that. But maybe it's an issue of Darren. Bavon Lewis got exposed. Turns out the guy's just really not that good. 
And, and, and Duran went, fuck, man, God got exposed. Turns out, really wasn't that good. Now, I can't take anything away from Stewart. He made those guys look bad. So there is something there. However, maybe Bartos comes in with a different game plan, well-prepared. He's been off for like 16 months or something. So, yeah, there's some ring rust there. But he's also shaked the cobwebs. And uh, if he's in good shape, you know, coming in at some decent dog money, I'm, I'm more favoring Bartos Fubinski, to be honest. I, uh, you had me really worried there for a bit when you were saying all those nice things about Darren Stewart. I thought you were going to go against your boy Bartos. Yeah, I think this fight is, uh, it's dogger pass. 100% yeah, fair. To me. Very, it's just very like, fair. You could pass you, on you this brought up a good, You brought up a good point about the crowd and, and the fact that, yeah, the fact that there is no crowd. If this was in front of 20,000 fans, it'd probably be hard for him to just you know, lay and pray, wall installed, like what Bartos Fabinski does in general, but that probably won't be as effective in, in this type of environment. And, and yeah, at least I know with Bart- Bartos what he's going to do. He's going to go there. He's just going to shoot takedowns. And if those don't work, he's going to get, he's going to get hurt. But, um, but yeah, he, he'll stick to the game plan. That's all you can really ask for from a plus 200 under, underdog. So, I, Cody, you mentioned like throwing this onto like the back end of a parlay. I think I'd rather just bet this one outright at plus 200, get two to one on my money. And if we're going to construct a parlay with some of the bigger favorites, try to limit as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. And again, like if I was going to put it in type, some type of parlay piece, for example, I would put my most trusted fighter on the card parlay with my second most trusted fighter on the card and i'm gonna have a little parlay with my third most trusted fighter on the card but then when i have you know my my punt one on there uh you know what i'm gonna throw one dog or maybe a four fight parlay i'm looking at bartos in comparison to the other underdogs on the card i feel like paul paul mentioned the best thing here right we know exactly what bartos is going to do now keep in mind that this is a card with a lot of regional show veterans you don't know what they're going to do. Some of them can strike a little bit. Some of them can grapple a little bit. Some of them haven't been deep into rounds. Some of them have fought limited competition. It's a hard gauge of is this, this guy could win the fight with his grappling. He could win the fight with his submission game. But I don't know that he's going to rely on that. Fabinski, there's no question marks there. Whereas Darren Stewart, yeah, he's going to try to do what he's been doing, which is stuff the takedown and outstrike these guys. But Deron Wynn takes him down five times. Thing is, Deron Wynn can't hold him down. Bavon Lewis control. It's a split decision win over Bavon Lewis. Bavon had a spot. Promise is he couldn't keep up with it, right? Whereas Bartos, his spots to shine are those exact same spots. Only he's given us every indication that he keeps chugging along. Thirty-three years old, sixteen-month layoff. That—that's what makes me a little bit worried. But they're giving you more than enough value to just push that aside here and make at least a small stab. All right. Next fight has Mason Jones. He's minus four hundred against Joe McCoglin. He is plus 300. And when you were kind of initially saying this, you like Jones at the minus 400 number? Yeah, I like Mason Jones at minus 400. I would say he's probably one of the very few guys on this card that could probably just be fighting in the UFC right now. I enjoy that he's not currently fighting in the UFC because he does need a little bit of time to shore up a couple of issues in his game. He's still only 24 years old, and he's still a little bit hittable standing. But he, this valuable experience that he's going to draw on the regional scene prior to going to the UFC, he'll be one of those guys that jumps to the UFC and doesn't just flame out quick. He should be one of those guys that go to the UFC, continues that trend upwards, and uh, maybe factors in down the road a little bit. He is a little bit pricey. I laid money on him at 390. He's 410 currently, according oh, to my book. I, I mean, it, I, I, it I'm, looks look, like... I, I'm looking at my book right now. When we started the show, he was minus 400. Now he's minus 380. 
Okay, so there you go. Minus 380, even better price tag. Uh, I'm not going to say that makes me worry that money's coming in with Lachlan. It, I also look at it like Mason Jones is the biggest favorite on the card, and people are just looking to maybe fade the favorite on something like that. They don't believe that the price tag's there. But this is for the vacant lightweight title. Um, Mason Jones was supposed to be in the spot legitimately. He's, like I said, he's probably the number one contender for the title. Uh, he's defeated the, all the other former contenders. The fight that we'll get to after this, Patty Pimblett, that's also at 155. That might generate the number one contender, let's say. But Mason Jones has set himself up in a, in a, in a really nice little spot. Now, now getting why I, I like this kid and what he's doing to develop himself. But uh, anyways, like I was mentioning, he's only 24 years old, but he starts training martial arts. He's seven years old, right? And this is a kid that his parents put him in at all. He's not taking like traditional karate or anything like that. They put him in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They put him in judo. They put him in kickboxing. Even though he's only 24 years old, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a black belt in judo. And he's a black belt in kickboxing. But take that with a grain of salt. I don't know what the fuck a black belt in kickboxing is. I, I wasn't on in the impression they handed out belts in kickboxing. However, that is a Brazilian thing. You do see, like, belts in Muay Thai. You, I have seen belts in kickboxing. However, I just I, – I don't get it. When you do see him, though, Pat, he's very good at blending all these different skills together. Now, when I say, you know, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and he's a judo black belt, it's like, okay, is he any good at this stuff? You know, he's been doing it since he's seven. Is he one of those kids that got a black belt when he's 11 years old? He was actually the Commonwealth Games alternate, right? Didn't make the team, but still, he was the alternate in judo, right? So he's competed at a high enough level. The guy knows what he's doing, right? Now, now, even though the guy can grapple, he's got jiu-jitsu, and, he, and he's got the judo black belt, he's been doing kickboxing, he doesn't jump into MMA right off the bat. He actually goes pro in boxing, went 3-0 and in pro boxing in 2016, and then switches to MMA. Only 22 years old, 3-0 and in pro boxing. And since then, dude, he's gone 8-0. He's won all of his fights. You watch this guy. He gets increasingly better every time. Yes, the judo's there, but man, he's got a nasty suplex on him. He's just got a way to slink you off, get to your back. From there, he peels you to the ground. He bops you up. Now, the boxing's still there. And because of his kickboxing background, he's got good kicks. He, he's not, he'll throw spinning back kicks to the body. Like he, He's a little bit flashy, but he's also fundamentally sound with his, with his hands. I did mention at the top of breaking him down that he's a little bit hittable, and that's why I appreciate he's getting extra regional show uh, time. But at the same time, it's like he is defensively sat. Like you see him trying to parry these punches. He always keeps his right hand up. There have been a few fights where his opponent has just absolutely tried to blitz him. I'll get you the exact name here. <clears throat> and, uh, and you know what? He gets caught with a couple shots, but it doesn't matter. Like he perseveres. He, he's got a good chin on him. The fight was uh, Kapker Formella, right? Polish fighter. Just absolutely comes with him, right? The announcers are saying, like, what a comeback would, would this be if Mason Jones recovered? But he's not all that hurt. He's composed. He ends up knocking him out in the, east of the body second, or in the first round, end of the first round. After that, the, Den the Donovan Desme fight, he shows it all. The Alexei Matvigin fight, he shows it all. He's increasingly getting better every time out. So we got a kid here, 24 years old. He's got all the skills in the world. He's undefeated. He's fighting for his first. It's a version of a world title. I, I, it's mostly European talent, so Cage Warriors to me is not a world title. But it is a big enough title. It's one of those like LFA situations. You win this bad boy, you're probably getting a call up to the UFC in, in the not-so-distant future. And then he draws Joe McLaughlin. Okay, so what's old Joe going to do to put a stop to this? Well, Joe's kind of like the polar opposite. He's 34 years old. He's not that up-and-coming kid that's going to make it to the UFC and win some fights. He's basically got a job here, which is defend these young kids on the regional show scene. And if he wants to string a good enough fight, uh, record together, maybe gets a call-up as a short-notice replacement in the UFC in a very, very unfavorable matchup, only because it happens to be taking place in his backyard. Um. He's, he, he actually does have an amateur career. He started fighting amateur, but they get Pat. He was fighting amateur 10 years ago. 
It was six and two over a four-year stretch. It was a decent amateur career. And then since then, I'm not fully understanding, but he'll he'll win, right? He's got a couple decent wins. They call him the SBG Hunter because he had some success over SBG Ireland's gym. Most notably, he beat Peter Queeley. But again, it's like the, he doesn't look all that outstanding, right? And this is the biggest thing, is that he's tall for the, for the lightweight limit. He's like six feet tall. He's kind of a tall guy. He throws all of his punches super wide and loopy. I think that he, he doesn't really know how to use his range. He's not a jab fighter. He's not a one-two straight right down the pipe guy. It's that he's a tall guy, and as a result, he throws those punches loopy. And then the biggest thing here is that he has very, very poor takedown defense. And I just think it's an honest recipe for disaster against a guy of the caliber of Mason Jones, who, again, is an up-and-comer. However, his takedowns, far too good for this guy. McLaughlin is going to be taken down. I, I feel very comfortable with Sam McLaughlin is not going to be able to stuff these takedowns. But beyond that, those, those loopy punches standing won't have as much success against a guy who's sharp and linear like Mason Jones and should be able to just intercept him in the pocket, hit him. Mason Jones's chin has proven to be you know, good. He's taken some shots. He's weathered them pretty well. I'm comfortable saying I don't see no flash knockout happening here. His, his jiu-jitsu, geez, you know what? Black belt has been in no position. He's been in some crazy grappling matches. And uh, you know what I mean? Like he defends all the submissions. So I feel comfortable with saying that McLaughlin's best path to victory here is to what outpoint this kid in a three round fight. Well, that's his problem. It's a five round fight. And so he wasn't supposed to be in the spot. Right. And I think he's stepping up to the plate, taking on Mason Jones, who they've got all the credentials and skills in the world. It is 380, what you're saying on your book, but I think it's capped pretty appropriately. And then I do see, that that line doesn't stay 380 or keep coming down. I think it goes the other way. I think it gets back up to 410. I think it gets back up to 450. And by come fight time, I wouldn't be surprised to see the line touch 5 All right. David Bear, minus 150. Nathan Jones, a lot of Joneses on this card, plus 130. Dog, pass, or do you like the favorite? I like the favorite here, David Baird, minus 170. So, again, I'd love to just dig really deep into this one. But Nathan Jones, he's kind of been a bit of a spoiler in his career. Uh, most notably, I mean, he does come in with a 12-9 and nine record. So, A, not exactly the most spectacular record going. And uh, Sorry, 13-9. and nine. Um, But also just like he does have a lot of fights. But he's most notable. He took on a, a fighter by the name of Walter Gerdaza, who was like 16-0 and 0 way back in the day. Everybody knew how overrated Walter was. It was just like, who's going to step up and be the one to beat Walter? Don't you know, old Mr. Bag and Tag, Nathan Jones, gets the job done, split decision, picks it up, wins his next fight for Bellator. You know, picks up a nice win over Walter, goes out, signs a Bellator contract, and then he loses four in a row. There's the thing with Nathan Jones, is that again, he's 13 and nine, he's had a lot of experience. He seems to be like a decent striker. He's athletic on his feet. He's dynamic on his feet. I think that I'd give him a slight advantage as far as the stand-up goes. But again, after like his biggest career moments, the win over Walter Gahazada and then his one win in Bellator, he did lose four in a row. And he has actually shown that it's his grappling that's kind of getting him into trouble. You can take this guy down. You can control him. You can dig his back. You can submit him. Over the course of that four-fight losing streak, he did lose two by submission. And the Alex Lowry fight, he got control for the most part. He does, When he does win, Pat, I mean, he can win. But it has to be like a generally low level of competition similar to himself. His last win over Martin Harris, four and four. Fight over Brad Wheeler. Brad Wheeler is 17 and 12 you know, well-traveled guy, but he's kind of on the back end there, right? He was initially supposed to take Hakan Foss on in this spot, and Hakan Foss would have been the obvious favorite, but Hakan Foss is very limited. Now he gets a completely different opponent in David Bear. David Bear has that grappling to give him trouble. He's six foot one, which is a decent size for the weight class, and uh, honestly, I mean, if you look at his record, this is where, this is his bread and butter. He's got one win by knockout, five wins by submission. He wants to get this fight to the ground, he wants to submit you. His lone loss, which is uh, Jarrah Hussein al 
which was in uh, Brave Combat 10, it, it, he's doing a good job. He gets caught in triangle choke. If you look at Gerard, Gerard's gone on to have a very exceptional career since then. So this kid's one be- once beaten, 29 years old. He's 8-1. and one. His one loss is to a very legitimate guy. And he's got all the grappling in the world. Nathan Jones, meanwhile, I mean, he's 13-9. and nine. When he fights up-and-coming prospects, when he, come, when he fights guys that got a little bit of merit that are on the way up, that's when he's struggling. When he takes on journeyman back-enders like himself, he's still very competitive. He can still beat those guys. It's just he's never been able to step up and take out that rising prospect. The one win over Walter, but Walter was a total fraud. So I feel like old Mr. Bagtag, Nathan Jones, is there to do his job. He's going to give him some rounds. He's going to test this kid. But ultimately, that's what he's there for. He's going to try to stop a few takedowns. He's going to try to survive. But David Bear, once he does get the fight to the ground, it should be his. Minus 170, I don't think it's a bad price tag. I could see myself definitely having some David Bear on some lineups. Or not lineups for DraftKings, but I, I could see myself putting some, some small money on him. But again, a very smart pass here would just be to pass all together because they are limited guys on their way up that you don't know a ton about. But I've been enough impressed with David Bear to say that at minus 170, I think he gets the job done. What would be a better price if you wanted to bet David Bear? Let's say I'm looking at it right now and I see minus 150. Is that a better price? I mean, it is a better price, but is that like intriguing to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, if I said that at minus 170, I think that it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but minus 150 is even better. I mean, if you're going to get him for minus 150, I think it's playable. It's just, it's how much confidence do you have in these guys, right? I think when we talked about Mason Jones there, I've got confidence in Mason Jones. When I talked about Bartos Fabinski, geez, you know what? Don't have a ton of confidence in him, but we're getting a very good price on him. David Bear, I got some confidence in this guy. I honestly do think that he's got the path here. But with everything that's happening, and this guy, you don't know how his camp's been going. You don't know how the cornerman situation's been going. You don't know where the mindset's been going. He is still young in his career. He hasn't fought the greatest level of competition yet. And so it is a risky play, or a risky proposition. Minus 150, though, definitely, certainly better than a minus 170. And as far as me, myself, personally goes, I would play David Bear at minus 150. Okay, uh, next fight, Patty Pimblett against Decky Dalton. This is this seems like a real British fighter. These guys like I, Irish versus British. Is that what we're looking at here? Decky Dalton doesn't look like hey. he's seen the sun in like yeah, months. De- yeah, De- Decky Dalton looks like he has the same skin tone as this like piece of paper I have in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Decky Dalton's obviously from Ireland, and uh, Patty <laughs> Pimblett, uh, the Liverpoolian. So we've got a little England versus Ireland matchup here. So, uh, Patty is minus 345, Dalton plus 260. Is this a confidence fight or a pass fight for you? Okay, so yeah, I guess some of the lines are obviously moving in real time, but when I got Patty earlier today, it was 320. So, money's coming in on Patty, and I think that Patty's the obvious play here. Patty was supposed to be in the UFC four years ago. Everybody loved this kid. Oh, my God. The fights in Cage Warriors are so entertaining. He's a young up-and-coming prospect. The world is his oyster. He can go out and have it all. However, it was very much rushed a little bit. And I don't want to say got exposed. It's just that he got a couple tough times and a tough situations, resulted in a bit of a losing skid, resulted in a bit of a lack of confidence, resulted in year-long layoff. And now he's 25 years old. He's coming off a loss, and he just really never attains that level. So anytime you're betting a guy at 320, 340, 350 now, who's not, not going to say about the prospect here, but has kind of hasn't looked as good as people were once touting him as you have to wonder if like that's the price tag you're getting here people rehyping him even though he's been coming off a long layoff uh geez do i really want to buy into the hype again when i've kind of seen it get dropped off a little bit but yeah i i, I am going to give him the benefit of the doubt specifically because he's taking on decky dalton who is a short nose replacement who 
it just happens to match up perfectly with Patty. But for people who don't know what Patty Pimblett, one huge advantage he's going to have here is that he started fighting professional at 17 years old. He made his Cage Warriors debut when he was 18 years old, and he's a 12-time Cage Warriors veteran. So, like, he is the Cage Warriors kid. He's a master of this promotion. He is very familiar with the inner workings of it, and he was for a long time their guy. He's headlining shows them. He wins the company's 145-pound title against Julian Arosa, or he defended against Julian Arosa, a UFC veteran. Good fight. Uh, loses it in a fight with Nad Naramani, who ended up, again, going to the UFC in a good fight. And then since then, it's like you see other guys take that big step forward in their career. He's kind of lingered around a little bit. This is going to be his 13th time competing for Cage Wars. It's important to note, though, after he lost the fight to Nad Naramani, he took a little bit of time off, and he moved from 145 to 155. And you see the kid, he was always listed as 5'10". One day they start saying he's 5'11". I think he's 5'10". I don't think he grew, although, I mean, he'd been fighting there since he was so young. Like, it is certainly possible. But, like, he's starting to fill out the frame a little bit. And whereas he used to be, like, I don't want to say weak, he's got a great entry on his takedown. But once he gets in on the entry, he can't muscle you to the ground. He has to rely on, like, a trip. He has to get his leg involved. He has to do something where he gets you off balance. He can't just, like, peel you to the ground. So I'm not super fond of his wrestling, but he does have ways to get to the fight to the ground. When he does hit the fight to the ground, he is a BJJ black belt, a good BJJ black belt, and he's got a great way of trying to find the back. He'll try to get on top of your back, and he'll just try to make you work. When you look at some of those losses or some of those good fights, he fought Julian Arosa, again, UFC veteran, Nan Naramani, UFC veteran, and Soren Back. Soren Back is currently a Bellator veteran, one known for Bellator. It's like those guys are all good, and he gave them all in their own way a good fight. You know, the Erosa fight, obviously he did win, but the Nan Naramani fight, it's like he was reversing a guy that's twice as strong as him. He was having some pots of success against him the soren back fight dude the first round he thrashes soren back he almost chokes him out cold with a rear naked choke in the first round the problem is is that when it got out of the first round the game kind of fell off a little bit but he's been to five rounds three times in his career he's got that championship experience he's still young at 25 apparently he's made a good amount of improvements in his time off and i honestly feel like patty pimblett is somebody that isn't ready for the ufc right now unless they gave him the best matchups they could but he still will get there. He still got that back class and that quality that eventually he will be in the UFC. Whereas you cannot say the same thing for his opponent, Decky Dalton. Decky Dalton is 37 years old. Decky Dalton, very inexplicably here, Pat, was 5-0 and and just retired for four years. He only came back in 2016 and got back to a regular schedule. But like, he wasn't somebody that was making a whole lot of money at this, and he wasn't somebody that was doing this full time. It was more just like a passion, side passion for him returns to the sport and then since then it's just been like it's been okay his first loss is to gary morris eight and seven it's a cut stoppage honestly he probably did win the first round the thing is is that he was having all types of trouble with an eight and seven journeyman guy who swole his eye completely shut and then the referee stops it okay fair enough then after that he goes one and four he's fighting in low level promotions he's not a cage warriors veteran he doesn't fight he, he had an interview there's an interesting interview on youtube he's like I'm, I'm really ready to go back to arena MMA saying like, I'm tired of fighting in like ballroom alleys and like, you know, like those really small smoker venues. Like I want to go back to arena MMA. And he's not talking UFC, not on Bellator. He's saying like, I'd like to go to Bama or cage warrior. That's it. That's his aspiration. Whereas you got a kid here, the former 145 pound champ challenged for 155 pounds uh, or is, is probably next in line anyways. Uh, he's got the grappling. He's got all of that. It's just like, oh man, that's it's it's a lot. It's a lot for Decky Dalton. So it's like, okay, well, what else can he? What else is he got going against him? What else is he bringing up? Well, here's another problem, right? Whereas whereas we talked about 
where we talk about Patty Pimblett and that he was very solid at 145 because of that size and that ability to wear on guys. And then at 155, he wasn't strong enough. He kind of struggles a little bit with the wrestling. Decky Dalton is a 145 pounder. Decky Dalton has never fought at 155 pounds in his entire career. He is not a 55er. The problem is, is that they needed somebody short notice. And Decky Dalton, Decky Dalton's that guy. Decky Dalton's been talking about getting to these arena shows. He, he wants in. This is his spot. Okay, perfect. Now he's got to take a tough fight against a tough guy, but this is what he asked for. And he's jumping in here. He's moving up the weight class, as we mentioned. And, uh, and I honestly think that that's what's going to, go, it's going to go against him. He's not quite big enough. When you look at him, he, he gives up his back entirely too easily. Like a lot of his transitions always end up with him getting his back taken. Patty Pimlet, if there's one thing about him, he's got a knack for finding people's back. Even in bad positions, he can get on your back. So I honestly do see the fight playing out where Decky Dalton will come out swinging bombs. Absolutely. Patty Pimlet's shown to have a decent chin. Julian Arosa dropped him in the second round. Julian Arosa really hurt him with the knee to the face in the third round. But the kid took it both times. And his grappling is good enough that he can fall on his back and resort to just not taking damage and getting through the next round. Because he's got five-round experience in his belt. If he just gets through the round, he comes back. Dalton doesn't have that same type of power, dynamic strikes as Julian Rosa, so I don't think it's going to be some type of flash knockout situation. And that really is his only path here, because he's giving up the size. Once, eventually, when it does become a grappling exchange, Pimlet's going to just take him down and take his back. And, and then the last thing i got to add on this is Decky Dalton's here for a very specific purpose. Again, right? He's taking on Patty. They're saving the show. This show has absolutely fallen apart. But Patty's a, a fan favorite, and he sells a lot of tickets for us. Even though there's no tickets being sold here, there's going to be a lot of people that are watching him online, and they've got it listed currently on my site. It's listed as the main event, despite the fact that Fabinski and Darren Stewart fight in the UFC, and there's a vacant lightweight title fight on the card. They still got Patty as still their guy. But Decky fought 13 days ago. Decky fought an absolute scrub opponent on an absolute scrub card 13 days ago. So his medicals are up to date. And he really wants the opportunity, didn't really take any damage. And, and honestly, Pat, as bad as that sounds, that's his only advantage. His only advantage is that Patty Pimblet hasn't fought in over a year and has been rather inactive. Patty Pimblet hasn't fought in like 16 or 17 months and has been inactive kind of over the last few years, despite having a few fights here and there. And this guy just fought 13 days ago. That, that's the only advantage, is that one guy just did it and one guy hasn't done it in a while. But outside of that, Patty's got the rest of the tools. And then I think he puts them together and he gets the win over Decky Dalton. You look at all of Decky Dalton's losses, and I mean all of his losses, he gives up his back. You look at Decky Dalton's win, most of them he gives up his back. He just he gets through the situation. Patty's not going to give him that chance. So, so Patty's a play. Again, I had it at 320. You said it's 340 now. And I do see, I thought, personally, Patty would get to minus 400 at least. Mason Jones would get to minus 500 at least. It looks like I'm wrong on one. Jones is coming down. Patty's going up. All right, so... Let's just talk. That's the entire main card, right? Yeah. Those four fights. So we can do a few different things here. We can put the two guys that you like together. I mean, you can bet them just individually, but it's going to be minus 380 and minus 340. If you put together Mason Jones and Patty, no, yeah, and Patty, we get to minus 160 on a two fight parlay or you like yeah. that guy or you like David bear. You can just bet him solo at minus minus one fifty, or you throw him onto it. And all of a sudden you get plus plus one seventy five If those three fights hit now, you talked about Fabinski as well. He's just plus plus one ninety. I mean, you could throw him onto it and make it a seven to one parlay or just bet him at basically two to one to begin with. What do you think the best route for constructing a parlay is there? 
Well, personally, the the route I went is just like you mentioned. I went Patty Pimblett and Mason Jones on a two five parlay. Got 160, good enough price tag. Actually, I got a slightly better price tag, but that doesn't matter if you hop on it now. 160 still a good price tag. Um, and then from there, it's like, okay, what other fights do we like immediately? The the Bartos Fabinski fight. Okay, we know that one's going to be our underdog. Bit of a punt. We know what we're getting ourselves into, but we wanted one dog just for shits and giggles. Anyways, David Bear. Okay, the minus 150, not bad. Again, though, not fully sold on David Bear. Looking elsewhere on the card, there's two more fights that are slightly more intriguing. There's James Hadeen. He currently is a big favorite. I think he's minus 320. He's taking on Chris Edwards. Hadeen's 4-0. He has looked pretty decent in the four fights that he's uh, he's had so far. He also had a pretty decent amateur career that saw him go 7-2, uh, and two, right? Those 7-2, and two, the two losses are actually guys that ended up going on, and he got a lot of amateur experience. I mean, he's got nine fights right there as an amateur. He turns pro. He's been fighting for Cage Warriors. They got him signing an exclusive deal. They've been up in the level of competition, and he's been winning that level of competition. His opponent, Chris Edwards, again, he's another one of these journeyman type opponents. He's 13 wins, 11 losses. He's won in two over his last three fights. And to be honest, they've matched him up with a couple of these up-and-coming prospects like Aiden Steven and uh, Brian Bulan. And he hasn't been able to get through those guys. When they match him up against maybe slightly slightly lower level, he, he's he's decent, right? So he's got the advantage that he's got 25 fights over a kid that's 4-0. And I feel like that's one of the big misconceptions here is that because Hedin has actually got nine amateur fights, he, he's a lot more experienced than that suggests. I mean, it's realistically a guy that's got 24 fights versus a guy that's got 15 fights. And from the 15 fights that we've seen from him, again, he's undefeated as a pro. He's been making improvements. He, he's been increasingly taking on tougher guys against Chris Edwards, who I think is going to be a little bit uh, outgunned here. I'm not super confident in the play, but I think James Dean's got some merit. The one, though, that I like a little bit better than that is Aiden Stevens. Aiden Stevens minus 200 currently, or it was something like minus 196. Um, I see minus I think this was just right place. Well, there you go. So you maybe, go. again, maybe it's coming down on him. Uh, it's, it looks, at least on topology, they got it listed as like the first fight on the card. What I do find fascinating about this Aiden Steven fight is that I have seen him compete a couple times, and I wasn't overly, uh, like, I, I wasn't, I, I was impressed. I was impressed enough, right? If you look at guys that are just on this card already, right? We just talked about Chris Edwards, right? Chris Edwards is 13-11. He's the journeyman that we don't really like against Dean. Well, Stephen Aiden fought Chris Edwards, and he submitted him with a Kimura in the second round. Very nice performance. He also fought Kingsley Edwards, or Kingsley Crawford. Kingsley Crawford's on this card. Uh, decent up-and-comer. Not great, but, I mean, an up-and-comer who is, again, on this card. Aiden Stephen also defeated him, and he took on Stephen Mabel. And Stephen Mabel is on this card, and his last fight was Mad Vernell. Fight that went the distance, actually. Mad Vernell, UFC veteran. Decent enough. So, so he's got experience at this level against these top-flight guys. He lost his last fight, yes, but against against Mabel, who's really not all that bad. He's another guy that we could talk about a little bit. But the the reason why I say right place, right time, is that even though he's coming off a loss, this kid's on a little bit of a run right now. He has looked pretty good. And they originally booked him in a fight against this guy by the name of Emra Somnes, right? Emra Somnes is known as the Anatolian Wolf. He's 11-2. and two. He's on a nice little run right now. This was going to be a nice little prospect versus prospect style class. Obviously, because of this corona issue, it gets canceled. And then comes in Jack Collins, right? Jack Collins is 3-0. and So, again, to the naked eye, it's like, ah, you know what? We got a guy that's 6-2 and against a guy that's 3-0. and and eh, one guy's undefeated. Don't really know a ton about him. But it's important to note that Jack Collins in his 3-0, and his opponents have been 2-0, and 0-8, He fought once as an amateur. His opponent was 1-4. and So he has not fought anybody 
that's been at this level. Now he fancies himself a submission guy, but as we just talked about, Aiden Stevens picking up that Kimura over Chris Lee or Chris Evans. Um, I, I, sorry, Chris Lee, sorry, or Chris Edwards. My bad. He's got decent grappling. He himself has got a lot of submission. Wins. I think that he's going to be good enough to stuff out Jack Collins. And when Jack Collins doesn't have things go his way, that's not something he's used to. So I feel like Stevens is also maybe somebody that I'd be looking to uh, to have my eye on. But I think if you want to play it safe, just like you mentioned, we're going to go with our top two guys that we're that we're most comfortable with: Patty Pimblett um, and Mason you know, Jones. I, I, it, yeah, Mason Jones, Patty Pimblett. Hopefully, they stay at the relatively same price, but we go with them. Beyond that, I'm sitting on David Bear for one second. I'm going to go Aiden Steven. Let's say I was just making a fictional longer parlay for you here. The two that we like, that's the two that you should play and then just enjoy the night. But beyond that, the third person I like the most is Aiden Steven. And then I'm going to... Um, then James Hendon? James Hedin, sorry. J- James James. Yeah, James Hendon and then Bartosz Fabinski. Other guys on the card are like, I don't mind Stephen Mabel. He was minus 150. Lewis Martin versus Kinsley Crawford's a flat pass. Matthew Bonner versus Jamie Richardson should be a flat pass. Darren Gorman versus Connor Hignett should be a flat pass. Jake Bond versus... Adam, I don't even know how to pronounce that last name. Should be a flat pass. The other ones, I do see some merit that we can go after that. There was initially some fights that we were targeting, maybe like the Luke Shanks of the world. However, yeah, with all these fights being tossed off, it's like the fights that you didn't think you'd end up tape studying are now the ones that have odds on them. And I don't know how many books are going to release the full odds on it. However, uh, I don't quit here. Like I am comfortable with the plays that we've given out on the show. I feel like there are some, there is some money to be made on this card, but uh yeah, it's only what Wednesday. Like I will continue to search for every possible avenue or any possible edge, and uh, you guys know exactly where to reach me. So if you have any questions at all, or if I find any other gold nuggets, yeah, we'll we'll definitely reconvene and I'll put it up there. Yeah, at CJ Saftik on Twitter. If you have any questions about this, or hey, listen, Cody has so few people he can just chat Cage Warriors with. So if you're big on Cage Warriors, I just looked at this too. This this is actually happening on Friday. Friday, March 20th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Not Saturday, like I think I previously said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you said that, I was like, man, I thought it was on Friday. However, things have just been changed. I woke up this morning, three of the fights are off. I was like, is the card happening? That's but apparently bad. it is. So let's go. I think uh, I did, told Pat that. Yeah, uh, bad info from Paul. Uh, although he did make he oh. did make the sheet with all the lines on it for me. So, I mean, I think he wins out the day when it comes to Cage Warriors 113. Did you say that you didn't mind Perry Goodwin at minus 150? Was that like the sixth one that you like you didn't feel terrible about? Perry Goodwin, no, no. There was no, one, there was like one other one you said. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's his opponent, Stephen Mabel. Steven Mabel, he's got, okay, so he's got zero submission wins, eight knockouts, but his grappling's not that bad. His last four fights have all gone the distance. His last fight in particular was against Mads Burnell, who's a little bit too strong and a little bit too physical for him. In this spot, I don't see him having those exact same problems. So uh, I didn't give it out as like a, hey, man, let's get confident. Let's jump on Diddy Kong, Steven Mabel. But I I do have my eye on him. The price is not that bad, and and I'm going to watch some more fights. I'm very familiar with Steve. I'm not super familiar with his opponent, so that's what I got to do a little bit more research on before I was confident in saying anything about him. All right, and he's a minus 150, so that's not terrible. So different ways you can play it, like you said, um, in terms of just if we want to play the card. So let's just, I mean, for even the DraftKings pick'em pool, they just have win, lose, or draw on each of the fights to begin with. So the ones that you have the most confidence in, like you just went through, if I play them all together, and just the ones that you mentioned that said that you want to take a stand on, or at least ones that you're considering playing at this point, 
Where's Psycho Steve here? They're going to put him on there. So we have... Right here, buddy. What's that? So I actually... So basically what I ended up doing is I was, uh, you know, listening to Cody. Cody's the whiz at this. Did this stuff for years over at Fight Network covering this promotion. And he's... When he's not, you know, at the racetrack, he's obviously watching fights from all over the world. So the guys on his list were Mason Jones, Patty Pimblett, Aiden Steven, James Hendon, Bartos Fabinski, David Bear, and Aimable. Uh, Aimable and Bear are kind of on the outside looking in. Fabinski's a big-time dog, so I don't know if you, how much you want to add that to parlays. But Steven, Pimblett, Jones, Hendon, kind of another parlay piece. So I think Correct, I'm gonna, Cody? Yeah, I think I'm going to play the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Paul, my boy. That's why me and Paul do the show together. He I mean, takes I'm, all my thoughts and, and puts them into one more concise sentence. So, my man, that's yeah, where that's we're a, going. That, yeah. That's a 17-parlay. That may or may not be on my account. So right I, I I have <laughs> okay. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm I'm gonna play that Jones and Patty one by itself. That's like minus one sixty five or something. I'll play the four when we add in Hendon and Steven. I might even leave Hendon off that and just use Steven because minus three twenty is not giving me a ton. But that'll get it up to around like three to one. I think it's actually in here. I'll just do do and tell you exactly what it is. What I've got right now, I've got the two-man parlay that Cody suggested. I did a four-man parlay with Jones, Pimblett, Steven, and Hendon. That that pays... And then I did the seven-man parlay. So the the four-one pays plus 240. The 3-1, if you take Hendon off of it, pays 162. Uh, The the six-man that we talked about, uh, taking off Soda Popinski, who's the dog. Those six pay eight and a half to one. You throw him on at almost two to one. All of a sudden, it becomes a 26 to one seven leg parlay. Probably just play all of those. Buddy, let's get it. Let's I, I, get I, th- it. I think that's what we're going to do here. I want to have some fun on a Friday afternoon, Cody. Yeah, sounds good. I'm in. All right. Cody Saftik, thanks for being on the show, man. Hey, absolutely, man. Always my pleasure. And uh, yeah, good luck to everybody. Let's let's get another repeat performance so we can stock up on supplies. Okay. So, Cody Saftik, again, at CJ Saftik on Twitter. If anything else pops up, uh, Cody's going to let us know. At Paul Shag on Twitter for Paul Shaughnessy, who decided to stay behind the camera on this one. So we can get a lot, lot of uh, graphics and boards. Just easier to do this way. Hit up Paul on Twitter, at Paul Shag. The, the condenser of the information that you need to know. I just want to be in on the bets. Yeah, you just want. I want to be in on the bets. <laughs> That's all anyone's fucking listening to Cage Warriors for, unless you're a big time cage warriors fan so those are the bets also on the DraftKings sportsbook app regardless of the state that you're in you can play for free i'm looking at the contest right now uh it closes uh at 1 p.m eastern time on friday march 20th uh there's two thousand dollars in a free contest up for grabs so you know it, it's very unlikely that this one will be split so all the 2k would be yours if you end up winning that cody just gave you seven picks you can figure out the rest on your own uh if you want to go that route i highly suggest everyone play it there's a whole bunch of new cool contests that are free to play in the pool section regardless of the state that you live in on the DraftKings sportsbook so i would go check that out today we are talking about a new game at the DraftKings sportsbook and if you just download the app you can play from any state once you're verified because this is a free pick em pool with twenty five thousand dollars available to the winner if let's see answers must be submitted by march 18th at 7 p.m eastern time for a shot at this guaranteed prize pool 
It's called a popularity pool. So what actually happens here, and Gary and Thorne, at Gary and Thorne from DK Live, is joining me to talk about this. He is hearing this for the first time live on the air. So you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. Let's go. Okay, okay, popularity pool. So not only do you get to make picks, and this one's going to be all NBA related. So it's just here's a category. You pick your player. But it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's family feud style. You need to pick who you think the most popular pick is going to be. Okay, sure. So we can have. Are you, are you doing a Steve Harvey impression or not? Oh no, that would be racist. I think. Yeah, that would be bad. Probably would doesn't you, go down that. It would. It would veer into racism very quickly, and I mean that's just. Not I've just been watching a lot of Family Feud on in self quarantine, so. Is Steve Harvey? Maybe I could do like the Al Borland. I can just go back. I mean, we did. We just missed Tim Andrikus. He could. I mean, oh, he could have done his Louis Anderson. I mean, his, Damn. Yeah, his dad, Louis Anderson. I mean, that does, that sounds more like Bernie Sanders in a weird way than Louis Anderson. Tim can do a Louis Anderson. But anyway, so that that's how this is going to work, and it's free for everyone in any state, even if your state hasn't legalized gambling yet, because this is a pick 'em pool. It's free to enter, uh, and there's just prizes to be given away. So if you download the DK Sportsbook app, get yourself verified, you can go play in it. Listen, we need to do something, and this is what DraftKings has come up with. We're going to try to talk about some of these popularity pools as they end up coming out. And frankly, it's funny because a lot of people that are going to be playing this, I think this works out really well because frankly. I like the NBA, but I don't know about the NBA like you know about the NBA, Gary. But you know that I have takes on the NBA, and I feel like a lot of people that are going to be playing in this and voting in this might lean more towards me in terms of knowledge than you in terms of knowledge. Yeah, I would say if this is going to be a popularity contest, a uh, few leagues quite have the take power that the NBA does. So this should be pretty fun. All right, so let's jump into this right away. Like I said, again, March 18th, that is... Oh, that's today. That's today? They should have told me about this beforehand. Uh, <laughs> we don't even have time to put this out. All right. I guess we can throw this up super quickly then. Uh, <laughs> it's going to have a one run, hour. We'll run through them. All right. I, I guess we're not going to run through these at all. Uh, okay. First set of questions. Who would win one-on-one in their prime? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? So I can tell you now Michael Jordan is going to win this pool. And that's also the answer to that question. Sure. All right. Maybe so that, it is. Even though, even though Jordan can't shoot three pointers and LeBron's bigger and stronger, sure, he would definitely, he would definitely win in one on one. So it, for the pool answer, we're going with Michael Jordan. Uh, who was the better three point shooter in their prime? Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, or Steph Curry? Oh, I I think that Steph Curry is going to be the answer to this question. Sorry, I just lost audio there for a second. Uh, wow. it was Curry, Reggie Miller, and who? Ray Allen. Ray Allen. I think Steph will win this one, yeah. I think Steph's going to win that one, too. Who has the? Who was the better player in their prime? This one's very close to your heart, Darian. T-Mac oh, or Vince Carter? Ooh. I think T-Mac uh, is the answer to this question. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. that It's funny. T-Mac is almost like a forgotten star, though. I think people forget T-Mac was arguably one of the best players in the league for, like, four years. Because Vince has just been around. I think if you've watched basketball in the last, like, 40 years at some point Vince Carter has touched your life where T-Mac kind of came and went pretty quickly. Um, I would say the answer is T-Mac, but I think Vince is a more popular name. Yeah. I think Vince, like in the terms of how you actually have to win this pool by picking the most popular answer, I think survey says Vince Carter on this. Yeah, one. I would agree. I think he's going to be the public pick. Who is the best dunker in their prime? Aaron Gordon, Vince Carter, or Dr. J. Carter will win that one. I think Carter's going to win this one too. 
Interesting. Who would you rather give the ball to in crunch time? LeBron James, Michael Jordan, or the answer to this question, Kobe Bryant? Ooh, um, that's tough because I think the Jordan stands are, are very, very, very uh, strong about their opinions on these things. But yeah, Clutch, Clutch and Kobe kind of go together. That's really his mystique. I, I mean, uh, I, 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 I don't would, actually hear it out. I, I would say that the the actual answer to this question is Michael Jordan, but for who people are going the to popularity, pick, I think you're right. I on, think that's, on March, that's Kobe's bag. On March 18th, 2020, Kobe is going to be the answer to that yeah, question. Yeah, Kobe's the answer. Who is the best scorer of all time? Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Harden, or Allen Iverson? Uh, Kobe will win that one as well. I think Kobe is going to win that one too. Uh, maybe there's just a lot of like not talked about Allen Iverson love because it feels like people over the past decade have really come to remember only the good parts about Allen Iverson. Yeah, look, I, I think people, I think, I think public perception of Iverson is, is I don't want to say an all-time high, but I think he's, he's more beloved now than he was at certain points of his career. Uh, I just think Kobe's pretty fresh in everyone's mind. Maybe just in the sense if you're filling out this poll, it's almost like when you're doing a, a quiz, you have no idea what the answers are, and you're just answering like too many C's and you want to go with a B. Mm -hmm. Maybe people don't answer Kobe twice in a row, so that's Iverson's case, but I think Kobe still probably wins it. Yeah, and I think that you have to lean with recency bias on almost all of these because that's who's going to end up winning. Which team yeah. was best? The 86 to 87 Lakers, the 95 to 96 Bulls, 2000-2001 Lakers, 2007-2018 Warriors? Hmm. Um, I think you'll still probably get a lot of Bulls love here. I'm just trying the average, like, what would you say the average age of a DraftKings user is? I'm, I'm thinking, like, mid to late 30s the average age no the average age would be way lower than that you think so okay. yeah i do think so then maybe the warriors maybe the warriors is the way to go here though i mean gary involves downloading an app <laughs> that's true so, i mean how many 55 year olds are out there being like oh perfect i never said 55 i said 36 yeah but where you um, said you said the average age yeah that's true um okay would, yeah right. If that's to be believed, maybe we maybe we stick with the recency bias here and go Warriors. That's a tough one because it could be like if Kobe's going to win a few of these, maybe it's the Shaq Kobe Lakers. Could be. Um, I, I do think maybe at the end of the day, though, this comes down to just people remember that Golden State season. Like the reason that season is talked about as much as it is is because it was the chase for 73 wins. Um, and I think just seeing how that is reflective of that 95 Bulls team, uh, I think those are your two front runners here. Who is the best player to never win an NBA championship? Charles Barkley, Grant Hill, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing, or Stephen Nash? Uh, Barkley will be the answer to that question. Bar I don't think Barkley is the right answer, but I think no, but for, for this, he is the answer. answer. Yeah, okay, I'm with you on that one. Who Malone is, is probably actually the right answer, but... I was going to say probably Nash. He has two MVPs. Yeah, I mean... You I, maybe just from a standpoint of like, if you stick prime Steve Nash onto a team today, uh, he would probably win a title. So maybe he's justified, but 
Uh, he's not winning that vote, though. Barkley's winning that vote. Yeah, Barkley's going to win the vote. I prepare at Gary and Thorne on Twitter to hear from some Knicks fans about Patrick Ewing. If it was sure. who is the sweatiest player to ever play, Patrick Ewing would probably. If it was who had a chance to make a layup to win a title and didn't and then lost the title, it would be Patrick Ewing. But, you know, <laughs> these questions aren't that specific. Who is the best historic duo? Malone and Stockton, LeBron and Jane Dwayne Wade, Magic Johnson and Kareem, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, Shaq and Kobe. It's going to be one of the last two. Um, I, I think it's Jordan and Pippen. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll side with you on that. I think the public could go that way. Who is the best current duo in the league now? Kawhi and Paul George, Durant and Kyrie, <laughs> LeBron and Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I think people are going with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers will win that one. All right, last one. Who would you rather build your team around? John Morant, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, or Zion? The answer in real life to this question, I actually haven't, I mean, this is no shocker. I think Luka is the answer to this yeah, question. Luka's the answer, but it's between him and Zion, and I'm not actually oh, sure. I, I don't think it's going to be between him and Zion. I think it's between really? Zion and Trey Young. People fucking love Trey Young. People, people love Trey Young, I think, because they're having to like rescue him from this actual scenario in Atlanta. I think in a fictional universe, though, if you're given this choice, um, I don't know. People, people love Zion. If, if we're just going by like what the public consciousness is, I, I would imagine Zion's name has been said on SportsCenter the last three months, probably twelve times more than Trey Young's. And 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 maybe that doesn't mean anything necessarily, but I just think in terms of popularity, in terms of uh, you know, if we were going into like week six of the NFL season, we're seeing who's being talked about as popular plays. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more people talking about Zion than Trey Young, but uh, maybe we go Luca. I, th I think there's enough Luca love where maybe because he's like one of the top three popular answer votes and just the actual right answer, maybe Luca wins out. Yeah, and there is a situation here where, I mean, if you tie for someone in first, you split the $25,000 with as many people that tie for as first as that you do. That was very poorly worded. But maybe this is a way to differentiate yourself. I just, wasn't Trey Young voted into, like, as a starter into the All-Star game? Yeah, uh, but I, it, it's, there's nothing to back this up. This is just pure speculation. But Zion was hurt during the entire voting process. Uh, I would have to believe if he did what he's been doing the last month and a half in like November, he would have also been voted into the all-star game. Okay. I can get behind that. So those are all the categories. Thank you, Gary and Thorne for joining me. You can follow Gary and on Twitter at Gary and Thorne and check out his work at dkplaybook.com. And again, uh, all these pools are free to play on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You can download that and play that from your state once you're verified. So even if you missed out, on this one for March 18th, voting closes at 7 p.m. Eastern time in order to join. Uh, you might as well download it, get yourself verified, because it seems like DraftKings Sportsbook is going to have a bunch of these coming out. So you can just check back every single day, play in these pools. It's free, and there's money on the line. I mean, what else you got going on right now? You're sitting at home, you're looking for stuff to do. You can either call the Vry College, or you can play on this. I'd rather play on this. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. We have a ton of shows up there right now. A lot of NFL reaction and a whole lot more. Plus, maybe some stuff you can actually bet on coming up. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.